Today in the Multiply Podcast, we're talking about leading great events. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. And my name is David. We're back and we're excited. Yeah, man. It's a it's, glorious day. It's April. We just celebrated the resurrection of Jesus yesterday. Today's Easter Monday. We both... Is that a thing? It was in my calendar, so I was like, oh. Wow. Yeah. A lot of the private schools actually are not open today. Yeah, and public schools too. Our our local public schools closed, isn't it? No, my girls are there. Oh, is it? Yeah. I thought it was closed. No, That's it's weird. open. In fact, today is the first day they've gone back to five days a week with all the kids. Wow. So it's very interesting. I thought drop-off time would be crazy, but it wasn't too bad. So yeah, we had a great day. I know we both enjoyed a leg of lamb yesterday. Not, oh, baby. Not an entire leg of lamb, but I got close. close. <laughs> I got close. I did a little, uh, my friend Jonathan Valletta uh, sent me a little recipe for kind of a paste that I rubbed over the leg of lamb. It, it was uh, olive oil, Dijon mustard, and then, of course, garlic, um, pepper, salt. I threw in some chili flakes, um, shallots chopped up, thyme, rosemary, rubbed that baby down, let it sit for a while, slow cooked it in the oven at 250, and then seared it off and broiled it. And mm-hmm. I love lamb. I know lamb is kind of a divisive meat. Especially leg of lamb is gamier than like lamb chops. Why is it divisive? People don't. Some people I, really yeah. Some don't people like it. some people really don't like the flavor. And well, then people they're who like morons. It, well, yes, <laughs> that's clearly been established just now. But the ones who do like it um, really love it. You know, what I mean, it doesn't seem like there's people in the middle on lamb. It's either like that's disgusting or I love it. So it was a great Easter. That's true. And uh, I know our our fanship, not our fanship, our listenership, our viewership. I I think they're. I think they're fan. I mean, I've seen some fanship. people with T-shirts they've yeah. had made. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I know our fanship is just on the edge of their seats, waiting for a weight loss challenge update. Oh, baby, I'm excited about this so, one this morning. I can say this: things are tightening up a little bit, right? You and I are making we're, we're making a little bit of little progress. little update. Little you and I have been in in last or second to last. Well, let's just be honest. I've been in last, and you've been in second to last. I didn't know if there's any weeks that we shifted, but Le- well, that one week you gained five pounds, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so we've been kind of doing a little tortoise situation and the tortoise and the hare. We've been <laughs> playing it slow. Um, David had a theory the whole time, which is the top front runner, the two guys that are ahead of us are going to slow down. And now we are starting to see that happen. Yep. So this week, well, we should tell them last week I uh, I went on vacation. Yep. And, um, and, and I went off. I went to vacation with this whole game plan of like, I'm going to do pretty good. We went to Florida, so I'm going to run every day. Well, I only ended up running one time, and I did te- – as soon as I got there, it was like all bets are off. I went I went crazy for the entire week. It's vacation, though. It's, Come on. I know. I, that's what I was like. I forget this. So I got back. I, I was up a little over five pounds, mm-hmm. um, and then this was our first week of me being back on. And today I weighed in, and I was down over 10 pounds. <laughs> Which felt felt pretty good. I immediately tried to deflate you by pointing out that that was a (laughs) five-pound loss over the course of three weeks. I'll take it. But, yeah, I've been chipping away. I've not had the big week that I thought I would have yet, but I'm definitely in the right direction. A couple pounds a week for the last few weeks, and and I'm down about 16 since the start. But the guys that are leading are down over 30 pounds so far. So we're, we're making progress. We're getting healthier. I fit into my Easter suit yesterday, which was really a big part of... Um, yeah, my personal goal. And so I hope you guys all had a great Easter. Uh, hope you're healthy. Hope you're eating more carbs than I am. 
Hmm. And uh, we're glad to be back. And yeah, we've had man. some great guests recently, but today you're stuck with me and Jer Bear. Just you and I. Just the two of us. All right. Well, we are excited because yesterday was Easter and it got us thinking about um, about events because Easter kind of feels like an event in a way. Yeah, for churches, for sure. You know, it's a, it's a massive day for, for the local church. Not that... Um, I think most churches are not are not saying everything rides on Easter, right? But it's the opportunity to reach people with the gospel who maybe wouldn't normally be there. I think right? that's it. I think what you're saying is 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 it that there will be people there on Easter, and of course, this is also true of Christmas Eve. Uh, but there will be people there who are there because they just finally said, "I'll go with you," you know, or it's yeah. a tradition. And so I think, yeah, churches do feel like, and I don't necessarily like this phrase, but I've heard it used, it's like the Easter Sunday is like the Super Bowl for church. You know, yep. it's usually your biggest attended service. and But more importantly, it's it's an opportunity to celebrate the historical event that our entire faith is based on, and also an opportunity to present the gospel to people who maybe haven't heard it since last Easter yeah. or Christmas. So, But yeah, that Easter can feel like an event, and, and so we were kind of thinking like, part of leadership. Now, some of you who are listening, you you may feel like you're not an event planner, uh, but anytime you're gathering people together to do something, whether it's a staff retreat, whether it's just a quick outing, if you're a youth pastor and you're just getting the teens together for bowling, um, whatever it is, technically you're running an event, right? Yeah. It's an activity that people are showing up for, in some cases signing up for. You and I have a lot of experience running events, good and bad. And um, we just thought, let's take a couple episodes and share some of our perspective on leading events. And I think in this first episode, the approach we're going to take is more from a uh, macro level of just thinking about events. What is the philosophy of events? Why do we do events? What are the big questions we have to ask about events? And then in the next episode, we'll get into the nitty gritty, some real specific tips and insights into event planning. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. For those of you who don't know our background, um, David was a youth pastor for years, and then he served um, for seven years in the role that I currently serve in as a youth director for the state of New York for the Assemblies of God. So part of that job is running um, pretty large events, one really large event. Um, and then as, as youth pastors, of course, even before that, we uh, we both ran smaller events. So I think we've got a pretty good uh, um a pretty good spectrum of large events yeah. to small events to speak to this. So. Yeah, so we've both run what's called youth convention, which is a two to three thousand person event that involves the rental of a massive facility, lots of hotel rooms, lots of moving pieces. We've also both run a week long summer camps, which in many ways is more challenging, even though it's less kids. True. Um, and then we've also run a lot of one day or two day training events for leaders of. 100 to 150 leaders come into town and and so and then even just smaller things for our teams and so we're hopeful and, and we should say you and i are probably a little diff well we are different in how we lead all those things right yes so we, yeah it'll be not that we would disagree we may not disagree with each other but we have different um styles or personalities so maybe yeah. that'll come through as we're talking i think so and and different strengths but we're both we both get the job done so um, well, I don't know. That's we'll leave that up to uh, <laughs> other people to decide. So uh, jumping in here, I think the biggest question when you are looking at an event, the biggest question you have to answer before you even schedule the event is why? 
what is the purpose of this event? And I think sometimes um, people schedule things because they feel like they have to or because it's a specific time of the year or because it's always been done. But if you don't have clarity on the purpose of the event, what are you aiming for? What is the outcome? Then it's really hard to measure it afterwards. It's success. But it also brings a lot of uncertainty into even the content of the event, right? Yeah. So like Easter Sunday is super clear for us as a church. We're gathering together for the for really the explicit purpose of lifting up the work of Jesus, specifically the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so from the videos we play to the songs that we sing to the message that is shared, even to the the way the announcements are made, to the way the closing announcements, it's all really focused on that. There's this intense clarity. You don't always get that. And so uh, when you think of some of the events that you've been tasked with running, either in the local church or now as the youth director, um, how has that question helped you uh, know what you want to do from who you invite to speak to how you structure the week? Yeah. The first thing I would say, even before before you get into the details of the event, is the way that it's helped me the most is assessing whether or not you should do an event. Mm. Um, yep. Because when you step into a, a role, or maybe you, if you're in a role right now in a leadership role, there are typically events that um, predate you that are on the calendar. It's like, this is what we do. And there's a lot of people that are behind them and do them and are used to doing them. And um, and so I think there's a temptation if we don't, like you talked about holding mission as the highest thing that we aim for. Like that's what our purpose is, is to, to accomplish our mission. If that's not at the top of the list, then events can creep over to that. And it's like, we do these because tra- they're traditional, you know, and all of a sudden tradition moves over mission. So holding that up there allows us to assess and go, well, does this event help us accomplish our mission? It may be fun. We may have done it for a hundred years, um, but does it accomplish our mission? And not only, not only does it accomplish our mission, because you could argue, you can always make an argument like, yeah, it does. You know, you kind of convince yourself, but <laughs> is it the best way to accomplish our mission is really the question yeah. that you have to ask. And I think hand in hand with that is where does this event fit into our larger plan to, right? Because there's mission yeah. and there's strategy, right? Yeah. And so mission is what you're doing, but strategy is how are you going to do that in a way that is effective and, and efficient, right? Right. So like even just if you're a youth pastor and you're listening and you have parents maybe who are wondering why are you doing fun events for kids? All they need is to be taught the scriptures, right? Um, Or vice versa. Some some parents might say, hey, just would you do more fun events? Could we do something every weekend to keep my kid out of trouble? Like there are parents that that's their mentality, that youth ministry keeps their kid busy so they can't get in trouble. You need to have clarity as to like, well, our strategy of helping these young people find and follow Jesus includes community and just creating a sense of togetherness. And so that's why we do these little icebreakers on Wednesday nights, or that's why we do this once a month or once every other month outing. The whole purpose of that is not to cram the gospel down their throats, not to try to get them to make a decision, but just to create a community knowing that teenagers are social beings and that that will open up doors for more next steps, right? Yeah. And vice versa, if people are wondering, why don't you just only do fun stuff? Well, because we actually aren't just a hangout group. Like, right. And we actually don't believe that it's our job to keep students busy, but it's to equip students to do the ministry or to, to live on mission. So even just knowing, like, when you think about youth convention and youth camp, what's unique about what you and I did for years is we're trying to actually fit into the larger plan of churches. Yep. Right? 
Um, so we're, we're offering these events to serve them in their strategy of making disciples or help students find and follow Jesus. So a lot of it, I think, in my experience, required me listening to the, the youth pastors. Yeah. What do you need? What yeah. are the, where are you at? What do you think your kids can benefit from? But then also a lot, we'd spend a lot of time in the events um, preparing youth groups for the event by giving them resources ahead of time but also handing off resources like a four-week sermon series or something like that that they could do after the event so they could sort of trickle back into the local decentralized environment. And and then even in those event environments, the big events celebrate what's happening at the local level. Yeah. Have yeah. you had that experience in your time doing this? Well, I think um, you, you, you and I have taken a little different approach on some of those things. Where well, then um, never mind. Some of the <laughs> like some of your gift sets or stuff that you incorporated into things like conventions, stuff like that, are not are not all the stuff that I've done. But um, I do I do think about the events in the same way, which is these are I'm here to serve the church, so I need to listen to their needs. I need to understand um, they're not here to serve me. I'm here to serve them, and then it formats. All, um, like you said, what we do leading up to it, what we do during that, that weekend or the week, whatever the event is. Um, and then of course, if there's some sort of follow up or any of that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think, um, I think there's a lot of things that you were probably way better at and things that you incorporated that were, that were, um, that much better stuff that I don't do now, but for overall, yeah, that's how we look at it is assessing everything we do. Does this help the local church? Does this help these teenagers experience what we hope that they experience this weekend? If not, why are we doing it? You yeah. know? And and that even I think informs the speaker you might choose. Yeah, you know, absolutely. From, from some speakers who maybe are known for creating moments versus speakers who are known for more teaching scripture in a way that can be then um, used for more conversations back in hotel rooms or in, or in camp, you know, cabins or whatever. Right. Yep. There's there's different approaches there, um, and uh, even just the way the services are structured and 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 creating moments for groups to connect together apart from the large arena environment so that this can really be useful as, as a part of what they're doing. Um, one of the things that I think, uh, you know, actually one of the books that I had the opportunity to write was about youth ministry and it actually was entitled good kids, big events and matching t-shirts and then subtitled, um, something like changing the conversation on health in youth ministry. Still available on Amazon. If yeah. you want to pick up a copy in, in Espanol. Anyway, I, I got some Espanol copies right now. <laughs> nice. If you're listening and you are a Spanish speaker, Spanish let us know. Reader, we'll mail yeah, it. He will send them to you because he is no bueno at reading Espanol. <laughs> um, the the book, though, actually, so the title, Big Event, or yeah, uh, Good Kids, Big Events, Matching T-Shirts, it was poking fun a little bit at like the longstanding metrics of youth ministry, well-behaved kids, get them to big events and get them all wearing the same T-shirt or liking each other. And in it, I kind of pushed back on an event-driven youth ministry, an event-driven church, event-driven anything. And I know this conversation is is right now pretty specific to the church world. But what have you? What are your thoughts on some of the dangers of, or what have you seen in your own life or the life of young people? The dangers of events becoming the only thing on which their faith is based, or sort of running from event to event. Yeah. No, I think you um, you made a lot of strides in that direction during your time and your leadership, and I think it's important because for a long time that's what it was, right? It was ministry, and even in a lot of our churches today, it's um, it's event based, even in some ways 
uh, dependent on the Sunday morning service. It's like one event a week, and that's the goal. Can we just get people to that event? But the problem with that is it it flies in the face of the biblical model, the the Jesus model of discipleship. Mm. So events are not anti-discipleship unless they're by themselves. Then they are. Yeah. Right. Events are meant to fit into a um, a variety of things that make up a strategy to make a disciple. That's good. So I really believe in the power of events. I've been I've been a part of them. Um, I've had my own experiences, encounters at, at larger events, camps, and conventions and stuff. And I know as a youth pastor with our students, like they they played a huge role. But when you become dependent on them, the problem is that you create this shallow Christianity that isn't lived out daily, but instead it's always looking forward or looking back, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's oh, God, I, I got to get to that next moment, or, man, I miss those that old days, just not like it was. Yeah. Um, but there's no sense of a daily walk with Jesus. There's Oftentimes there's no sense of mission. It, it can become very me-centered, experiential-centered, those type of things. And that's the danger, right? Yeah, I, yeah, and so, so the, I guess the good side of events or the things that are valuable events that you kind of already alluded to is, you know, the opportunity for us to be together in larger numbers and feel like you're a part of something bigger, right? Yeah. So, and specifically when we think of youth convention where there's thousands of kids there, for the kid that goes to a church where there's three other teenagers, you know, for that individual or for that teenager to be able to come and look around the room and go, man, a lot of people are loving Jesus and serving Jesus. It can be a real inspiration. It can be a real encouragement. Yep. And then also just the quality of even the service and the communication, the preaching, the music, all that sort of stuff can really be, it can really contribute to um, moments where people are uh, responsive. You know, many, many pastors would look back to camps and conventions and say, that's where I feel like God clearly directed me to serve. Yeah. I think that's your experience, yeah. and that is actually very similar with my experience. Um, and, of course, that happens in the local church, too. But there's something special about those moments, and, and I don't think we have to fight against those moments, but I do think we have to be mindful that you cannot sustain moments, but you can sustain conversations. Yeah. And so if you're leading an event or if you're leading people who are going to an event, I think having a strategy for how do we sustain the conversation of what happened in those moments beyond those moments, that's really where what it all hinges on. Yeah, no, I agree. And and for a leader coming into an event, thinking through what's what is my goal? Like, what's a win walking out of this event? And some of the, from a church world, some of the spiritual stuff you can't control, right? Like, you're not in, you can walk away and say, I want every kid to be radically transformed and, and be called to the mission field. Well, you don't, you can't control that. But what can you control? Like, what are some wins for you? And so for me, we would always think about stuff like, this weekend or this event, I want my leaders to connect with our students. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you, it's important to make the wins things that are, um, have a sustainable lasting impact in your overall mission and strategy. So my, my mission strategy is adults discipling teens. Then I'm going to leverage this event, um, to help those adults spend really good quality time with these teenagers to build relationship because that's an essential part of discipleship. So yeah. That's awesome. Well, let's let's broaden the conversation now on events from beyond kind of our world of youth ministry and youth events and church events. And let's just talk some general big picture thoughts when it comes to event planning, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a teacher, whatever you're doing out there, even if you're just planning a big birthday party for your kid. Like there are certain things. And, and one of the things that I think, and this is big for me because I'm kind of a communication guy, is the is the level and the quality of communication is so important with events, 
right? Yeah. The timing of it, um, knowing how soon. There actually can be a window that's too early. Yep. And then there's definitely a window that's too late. Yep. And some of it depends on the scope of the event, whether people have to travel to the event, how long the actual event is. But I think having clear communication. So when you think of like, here's what needs to be communicated about an event. What are the big buckets that you want people to know that you're asking to invest and show up? Yeah. Well, you alluded to one, which is you got to know your audience and that will dictate the time that you promote an event. Right. So if your audience like we work with a lot of audiences that are planning their calendars a full year in advance or sometimes more. Yeah. So we need to at least have the dates available, Mm -hmm. but you may save the date to save the date. Right. So they can you may not have that context. So maybe for you, you, that's not necessary. But I think first you got to know. Who's the audience of this event and how far in advance do I need to get some information to them for planning purposes? Yeah. But the second thing I think is um, you got to, you know, you got to think through location. You got to think through date and time. Mm-hmm. You got to think through um, what elements do they, what elements are important for them to know about. And I tend to think uh, early on you start with less information yeah. and then as it gets closer, it, you know, you're feeding more and more information to hopefully kind of build excitement, not information that's pertinent to them planning, but information that would build excitement. Sure. You know, so if okay. you have speakers or bands or that kind of stuff. So what I hear you saying is all the information needed logistically needs to get out as soon as possible. As far as, as far as like, yeah. here's the date, here's the location, here's the registration fee, here's the website. Right. As, as soon as, as soon as you deem it right important, right? Cause you could, Hey guys, in three years, we're going to be doing a church barbecue. It's like, (laughs) that's not helpful. Yeah. Okay. So point taken. So in the window that, and that just requires wisdom and knowing your audience and and knowing this again, like, is it a in-town event where they're not going to have to travel and find hotels or is it a bigger event? So, but that first communication could simply be a save the date with very little info. But then as you start to move forward, you have to um, probably your next communication piece has to communicate things like where and and when and how much yep. and then early on basically from the moment you're sending out save the date stuff you should have some sort of a functional web page for people to go to doesn't have to have all the info but even if it's just sort of a one page thing for people to click on and see uh it's important in this day and age of course yeah um and, and i would i would encourage you to have that even before your registration whatever process is up that should be there so that if someone's like inquiring they can go. Oh, okay. At least, it, at least I know what's coming. At least I know what's here, um, and I think that that helps people in their planning and thinking through. Yeah, and then as you get closer, I love what you're saying. You begin to release more information related to the content of the event, who the speaker is, who the band is, um, what are going to be some of the options for people to do while they're there. And then as it gets really close to the event, and I don't want to get too nitty gritty because that's our next um, episode. You really start to give them information as detailed as like. Um, you know, local restaurants and places that you can get food that are good for groups. And, and of course, somewhere in there, if it's a travel event, hotels and how you can get that. And I think which leads to the next thing I think is making it as easy and simple as possible for people to sign up. Yeah. Right. We've all gone to events that it's like super complicated to sign up. You got to sign up as individuals. You can't sign up as a group. And then it's really confusing how to book with the hotels and that sort of stuff. And it just requires a lot of work on your event, on your end as the event planner say, how do I make this as easy as possible? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work sometimes because like right now, myself, um, 
and um, and your youth pastor, who's also our events coordinator, Jason, because of COVID, we're having to go from a 3,000-person event youth convention to a one-day event in four different locations, including <laughs> one live stream Oof. digital location. God bless you. And trying to cr- so we're creating a registration for each one of those events because we have limited seating at each one because of COVID restrictions, right? So it can be challenging. But to your point, as I was as I'm looking through and building this out, we're trying to think what is the most user friend what is the most user friendly thing we can create that also gets us the information we need. Because that's also important, right? When you're building this stuff out, is you've got to be able to get the information you need. Because sometimes, sometimes you make it so user fr- or so simple that in hindsight you go, "Oh man, we don't have their emails. How are we gonna?" Right. And it ag- ends up hurting your ability to communicate later on, right? Right. So how do we make it the most user friendly and simplest that also gets us the information that we need, so that someone that's not tech savvy or doesn't want to spend twenty hours on our website can just click, 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 find what they need. Yeah. And I think it starts with thinking about, you know, what are some, what, what, what might we need during the event information wise from that group? You know, do we need an on-site cell phone number so that if there's an emergency or if there's a quick last minute change, we can text everybody, uh, all the group leaders who have registered. So just thinking like, what is all the information that we need, but just even, even just having investing some money into a decent registration program. You know, I mean, I know there's free stuff out there like Google Forms, which you can do registration through, but you can't do, a, once you have that information, it's really hard to do much with it, right? So using an, uh, uh, something like um, a Breeze or Planning Center, what do you guys use for registration? Well, we're shifting now to use um, Wix, which is our website hosting. Okay. They do all they do a bunch of event stuff through there, so. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, actually our church has Wix too, but I didn't realize there was an event uh, aspect to it. Yeah. We use Breeze mostly for event and planning center for event registration. Yep. yep. Yeah. So the, the last thing I want to say about sort of a philosophy of events is that, and this was a big one for me, was a whole approach of under promise and over deliver. Um, and I'm not saying like, don't hype your event and don't be excited about it and don't sell it, but don't like, I think in this day and age, especially with this generation, like you, you you're better off not showing your hand completely leading into the event and then just delivering something and surprising them with some stuff and surprising them with how good it is or even just certain elements of the of the week. You know, we do these little things at our church, especially in the summer, like once a month after the service, we'll have something set up out front of the church, um, ice cream truck, you know, something like that. We don't promote it. We don't even talk about it. People walk out and it's like, Oh my goodness. Christmas morning. <laughs> yeah, it's like no one told me this was going to be. He is risen. You know? And sometimes you actually steal the impact of what you're doing by like over promoting it. Right. Um, and hey, we're, we got ice cream this Sunday. Yeah. And then they're expecting like a Sunday bar or something. They show up and it's like prepackaged ice creams and they're kind of disappointed versus <laughs> yes. versus the other way where they walk out and they're like what think about it if someone tells you I'm gonna I'm gonna make you a nice dinner and then you go over and they they give you a microwave meal. But if you just go over and you're not expecting anything and they give you that same meal, you're like, oh, thanks. Appreciate yeah, it. Right. Exactly. And so I, I also don't know that like um, when you're promoting events like and, and there's different. I'm not an expert on this. So this is just my opinion. But I, I don't know that people nowadays are that motivated by the hype of like, this is going to be the most amazing weekend ever. It's going to change your life. You know, I just think like sometimes people get 
sort of deaf to that or, or yeah. you know, it doesn't have the same effect. And so when I'm thinking of events, I just want to like clearly communicate, here's what we're doing. We really hope you'll be a part of it. We think you're going to have a great time, yeah. but not like try to promise something. And, and, and to your point, I'll add this. The best way to grow an event long term is to make it really quality. So I think it's less, promotion is important, but it's almost less important about promotion. It's more important about the people that come to your event. What sort of experience do they have? Because if they have a phenomenal experience, everyone that went to that event is going to want to come back and they're going to tell other people about it. So I, I think I think that's a, that's a really important thing to keep in mind is you can spend so much time on the promotion and the hype and all that kind of stuff and not think through the details of the actual event versus really focusing on the event and then guess what maybe your first year it's only 20 people or 100 people however size your event is but if it's amazing and it's something you're going to do again next year you better believe once you promote that they're you're going to have a bigger audience yeah yeah and having said all of that about under promising and over delivering another you know just to kind of round this out i do think excellence and quality matters with events don't go halfway do your absolute best do the best you can with the best that you have and if it means doing less so that you can do it better, yeah, I think that's the wise approach as opposed yep. to trying to do a lot of stuff and doing it all sort of poorly. I agree. And yeah. in the next episode, we'll actually talk about some, some, some things we've learned along the ways on how to improve your event that won't even necessarily hit your budget. Yeah, there's a lot of mistakes David made over his time that when I came in, I was like, whoa, that's a massive mistake. And I'm going to share a little bit how I fixed a lot of your mistakes next episode as well. So <laughs> My biggest mistake was stepping down. That's what everybody tells me anyway. Yeah, I hear that a lot too. All right, well, hey, we're coming to close on this, but before we do, we do need to get back to uh, everyone's favorite portion, which is called David's Eats where we're not only making you better leaders, but also better eaters. So, Mm. um, David, coming off of Easter, we know you had lamb. We talked a little bit about that. But I do want to focus on Easter here, your Easter meal. Um, Tell me, besides the lamb that you had, because you already shared about that, what was the favorite thing you ate? Or maybe you, you could throw two things in there. It could be a side dish, whatever. Let us know. Well, as our listeners know, I'm not eating carbs right now, so it wasn't a normal Easter. So I mostly just ate lamb and roasted veggies. And I and I, I love Aaron. My wife Aaron makes like a really nice combo of roasted um, uh, um, Brussels sprouts and cauliflower, oh, and then even like some sweet potato in there to add a little sweetness. Because you know yep. Brussels sprouts is kind of a uh, more of a savory, obviously mm-hmm. flavor, a little bit bitter potentially, and and, and so. That's a nice counterbalance. I, I I like a fresh green salad. I don't, I don't think we had that yesterday. And um, I will say this. I have a whole – one of the young guys in our church plays football for a local high school, and they were doing a fundraiser through a local bakery called Biscotti's. And I bought a ricotta pie. Mm. And I love a ricotta pie. But knowing that we were weighing in the day after Easter, mm. I have not eaten it yet. But yeah. since you ate like a pig for a week and then lost 10 pounds the Come following on. week – I may go home after this episode and eat that entire ricotta. I pie. think it'll help you absolutely. <laughs> so, how about you? What was your best thing you ate yesterday? So, I'm also not eating carbs, but I I splurged a tiny bit yesterday. My wife made um, she made a leg of lamb, which was amazing. But then her side dishes, I, and I think these go perfect with with lamb. She made um, a roasted asparagus and then Greek potatoes. Have you ever had these? No, tell me more. These are very interesting. So you cut your potatoes into like wedges. And then you put them in a roasting pan with um, liquid. I think she said it covers all the potatoes. 
and there's like lemon. They have a they have a very kind of citrusy flavor to them. There's lemon juice and stuff. But basically, you roast them in the pan for a long time to where when they're done, all the liquid has dissolved, but but also like infused into the potatoes. Mm, so, so it's a weird combo where they're they're moist but cr- still crispy on the outside. Yeah. And they have this like strong kind of lemon citrus flavor. More intense because it's yes, been cooked down. Exactly. They they are so. It was everything within me not to just go to town on on those potatoes i did have a couple of them to try them but uh yeah they I wish were you had eaten them all maybe you would have only lost eight pounds instead of ten that's true that's true you make me sick but <laughs> if you go where i live in long island there's tons of greek restaurants and these potatoes are very common they yeah. always serve them at greek spots so it's called she, greek she, potatoes i i mean that's what we call them i don't oh, know okay. if that's the official name but sure yeah so All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening in. Uh, We hope you were blessed. We look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode of the Multiply Podcast. We'll see you then.